0: Welcome another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Times Newspapers Limited and Flood, and the citation for this case is 2017, UKSC 33. And the case before us today actually combines three appeals by different newspaper publishers in relation to orders for costs. The publishers had originally lost their cases against the respondents for defamation and breaches to privacy, and the result was that they had to pay the costs. The actual cost regime however is a little controversial and worth exploring in a bit of detail before we continue looking at this particular case. The relevant act is the Access to Justice Act 1999 and this sits alongside Rule 44 of the Civil Procedure Rules 1999. The law as it stands potentially allows three different things to occur. Firstly, there can be a conditional fee agreement whereby the lawyer will be paid nothing if the claim fails but can be paid up to double if they are successful. Secondly, the claimant can also take out something called after-the-event insurance whereby they are protected from potentially having to pay the defendant's cost if they lose the case. The idea here though is that if they win the case then the insurer does get paid Finally, and most importantly, these success fees that are potentially owed to the lawyers and the insurers, can be claimed from the defendant, i.e. the publishers, if the case is ultimately successful. It's unsurprising to hear that this regime has proven to be extremely controversial over the years, and in fact since the Legal Aid Sentencing and Punishment of Offenders Act 2012 it has been abandoned in all cases except for those involving privacy and defamation. The Leveson inquiry and a subsequent public consultation into the controversial section 40 of the Crime and Courts Act 2013 could lead to a change in the law for these types of cases, but nothing has been done yet and so the law from 1999 still stands for the time being. Back to the current case, and it may seem difficult to work out what arguments the publishers could actually make, given the state of the current legal regime in this area. Instead, though, they look to the European Court of Human Rights, and in particular the case of MGN Limited and UK, 2011, where the court disagreed with the House of Lords decision in the famous case of Campbell and MGN Limited, number 2, 2005 and instead held that the publisher's right to freedom of expression under Article 10 of the convention had been infringed by the payments incurred by both the success fee and the -the after-the-event insurance premium. This was an especially important argument in this case, in particular the flood appeal, where the claimant was actually only partially successful. So the case went to the Supreme Court and they began by noting that the decision in MGN and UK is an important one but without the UK government as a party in the present case it would be inappropriate to make a declaration of incompatibility or even to express a general view as to whether Article 10 has been infringed. On top of this, the claimants in the present case have themselves relied on the law as it currently stands, and to change or invalidate the 1999 regime retrospectively would not only be grossly unfair, but because of their reliance on it in a financial sense, would also be a breach of Article 1 of the first protocol of the convention, which is the right to private property. And this principle of retrospectivity is of fundamental importance to the rule of law and overrides the rights found under Article 10. Therefore, the only just and appropriate action that the court can take under Section 8 of the Human Rights Act 1998 is to dismiss the appeals by the publishers. In fact, even in the case of Flood, where the claimant was only partially successful, the Supreme Court held unanimously that he was entitled to the full costs payment. Overall this is probably the correct decision, but it's not difficult to read into the judgement and see that the sympathies of the court were overwhelmingly with the claimants in this case. There is always a fine balance to be struck in cases where freedom of expression is contrasted with the right to privacy, but where there has already been a finding of defamation or a breach of privacy by hacking into someone's mobile phone, it is hard to then quibble about costs. This was particularly evident in the Flood case, where the court was critical of Times newspaper's quote, aggressive and unconstructive attitude, end quote, and pointed out that their costs would have been the same even if Flood had conceded the partial claim. Before we finish discussing this case though, I do think it's worth considering the proposed new regime under section 40 of the Crime and Courts Act 2013. This rule that has not yet been brought into force would actually make life even worse for newspapers and could lead to them having to pay out even if they win a case in court. After the Leveson inquiry there was outrage at the way that newspapers operated, and in particular at the lackadaisical way in which they were regulated. Section 40 was part of the way to address this because if the publisher moved to an approved regulator they could potentially avoid costs in such cases. But if they did not move to an approved regulator, then they would be more likely liable to have to pay costs. Newspapers have been especially critical of this and have gone after it as an attack on free speech with the aim of printing the truth. This, however, is pure hyperbole because the legislation does not change the law on defamation in any way, and so the newspapers will still be able to publish the truth if it is indeed true. The point of the legislation is to put claimants in a much stronger position when challenging the media. At the moment there is often a dramatic difference in financial power between the parties as an individual goes up against a huge media corporation. The use of conditional fee agreements and after the event insurance is a good way to offer some protection in cases where the legal bill can often run into the hundreds of thousands of pounds. Of course, we do have to be sensitive to freedom of speech and Article 10 of the Convention, as this is a fundamental feature of any democracy. This particularly applies in relation to the proposed new press regulators, who should be separate from government and not act in a heavy-handed way. There is ultimately a balance to be struck, and I'm not convinced that we're there yet, but we might slowly be edging ever closer. Well, thank you very much for listening to this podcast and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you did enjoy it, make sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That really helps other people to discover the show. Also remember to check out my website at uklawweekly.com and I look forward to speaking to you again about another case next week. Bye!